0: This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting, different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here at Core Brain Journal for yet another really interesting guest. And we're going to put the mind, body, spirit together with a board-certified internal medicine physician, if you can get that. She is an MD. Her name is Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's an author, speaker, and board-certified internal medicine physician. As I just said, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So let me tell you a little bit about her in just a minute, but before we begin, I'm just going to say a couple quick words from our sponsor, and that is Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Great Plains Laboratory. You folks know how interested we are in data. They are international leaders in biomedical testing for factors in brain health, including metabolism, nutrition, food allergies, exposure to environmental toxins, and much more. As both scientific and educational global thought leaders, they provide the most comprehensive set of hard data measurement tools for real biomedical answers beyond guesswork. And they also provide trainings, webinars for both the public and medical professionals on how to use the data that they provide effectively. Check out their website for references and testing details. And do take note of this one. This week, you can enter into win a complimentary organics acid test. I don't know why I said that. I use it all the time. Organic acids test. It's a comprehensive metabolic test with 75 specific markers. Everything from yeast and candida all the way down to vitamin C, neurotransmitters, and a variety of uh, mitochondrial activities that have to do with energy. Very comprehensive. Enter to win a free test at greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash cbj cbj in lowercase core brain journal why not it should be easy so then let's talk a little more about dr dalton smith she has an active medical practice in alabama near the birmingham area she received her bs in biochemistry at the university of georgia and graduated with honors from meharry medical college in nashville she has been an adjunct faculty member at Baker College and Davenport University in Michigan and teaches courses on health, nutrition, and disease progression. Dr. Dalton Smith is a national international media resource on the mind, body, and spirit connections and a top 100 medical expert in good housekeeping doctor's secrets. She's been featured in many media outlets, including Women's Day, Red Book, First for Women. MSNBC, and Prevention Magazine, one of my old favorite magazines. I subscribed to it for years. She is the author of Set Free to Live and another one, Come Empty, which is the winner of a Golden Scroll nonfiction book of the year and a 2016 Illumination Award gold medalist as well. Her newest book is Sacred Rest. Get that, folks, Sacred Rest recover your life, renew your energy, and restore your sanity. We could all use a little bit of that, and she's going to be talking about sacred rest. But before we get started, let's go ahead, Sandra, and talk a little bit about, yes, you are a medical person, but there are not a lot of medical people that have dived as deeply as you have into all these various connections. So let's talk about how you went down that path, what led you down that path.
1: Well, honestly, I think my biochemistry background has a, a bit to play with it. I tend to like to go to the heart of things and try to see not just kind of what's happening on the surface, but what's going on beneath it all. And I just had so many patients that were coming in with the same complaint. I'm tired all the time. And I started off with the thought, well, maybe they just, they're just they sleep deprived. They just need more sleep. And so many of them would come back and say, but I'm in the bed seven, eight hours a night sleeping but I'm still tired all the time. And so it started really making me take a look at, there has to be something else going on. Yeah. And then I started having the same complaints myself when I had two kids, you know, coming out of medical school and residency. And then I started having my own family and these extra responsibilities with my medical practice. And when I burned out, that's when the, the rubber really hit the road. I really had to make a determination about how do I come out of this, this chronic fatigue, unhappiness, all of those symptoms that go when you get to that point of not just sleep deprivation, but rest deprivation.
0: This is so interesting because one of the things we want to talk about, and I'm not going to ask you this question right now because somewhere during this discussion, I want to make sure we talk about, from your perspective, adrenal fatigue, because it's a topic that's thrown around so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that People have so many different ideas about it. Of course, there have been a number of books written about it. But let's start with where you actually are right now. The whole concept of rest, recovery, and how biochemistry led you into that. What's the connection? Where did all that start?
1: Well, I initially started thinking that sleep and rest were the same thing. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of us have, is that if I get more sleep, then that will solve my fatigue issues. And unless your main issue is solely sleep deprivation, that's not going to work because the problem isn't just in getting more hours of sleep, it's in getting higher quality sleep. And that higher quality sleep really comes when our body is able to go into a fully rested stage. is able to go through all of the five levels and stages of sleep from one through stage four of non-REM and then into the stage five of REM sleep. So when I'm looking at that, And I was thinking about, okay, so sleeping more is not going to help. How do I help get people into a deeper level of sleep? And it can't just come from right before going to bed, trying to do some type of little quick activity because we get our bodies so wound up throughout the day with our day-to-day activities. We have to have a process to kind of undo some of that damage just naturally as part of our lifestyle throughout the day. And that's really where the rest part comes in. It's just learning how to apply restful techniques in a natural way in your day-to-day activity so that you don't end up at the end of the day stressed out, tired, fatigued, and in pain.
0: This is going to be an interesting conversation, folks. I mean, is there anybody that's listening to this that hasn't had this problem? I mean, first of all, we have a really bright audience, Sandra. They're just a great group of folks, Mm -hmm. and they're so enthusiastic about the great individuals that we have talking to us. and tell, But you have a nuanced approach that is already just the very fact that you're spelling it out like this puts us in a completely different league because it's so ubiquitous if you think about it. I mean, you know, the idea of the only solution for so many of us is write a prescription. And I think you're really saying, hey, folks, there is one heck of a lot more than just writing a prescription. So let's start by talking a little bit about some of the nuances of what you suggest would be, for example, the preparation to get us into that sleeping process and restorative process that's necessary.
1: Well, for me, it starts with looking at kind of rest as the big picture. We can't lump all rest as one thing. So when I started looking at it, there's different types of rest. And so there's seven types that I pulled out when I started researching and looking at it, and those are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so when I'm looking at them with someone and they say, "I'm tired all the time," one of the things I start asking them, "Well, what kind of tired are you?" Because are you physically tired, emotionally tired, mentally tired?" We have to kind of figure out what type of tired they are because usually someone's life isn't out of balance in all seven of these areas. There's normally one or two things. I, I kind of look at it like if we're, if we're testing someone, you mentioned testing for vitamins and different chemicals. If we're testing someone for a vitamin deficiency, they're probably not deficient in everything. But one core vitamin being off, let's say vitamin D or something or B12, can really make a huge difference in how that body feels. Well, it's the same with rest. One specific rest deficit being severely off can hugely impact your life in every area, but every area is not broken.
0: That is so interesting. So then the issue is really having the perceptions of the options, the varieties of the rest experience so you can ask the question correctly. Because if you just ask about rest, just what I did with you, it's way too innocent. You're really talking about a much deeper perception of the varieties of, of challenges that can occur. And that's all spelled out in your book.
1: It is. And I, and I find that most people need help kind of identifying which type of rest they're most deficit in. So with my patients, I use a free resource on my website at restquiz.com. And it's, they can go in and do a comprehensive assessment. And it quickly just kind of spells out to them which type of rest they're most deficient in. So that's how I help them to kind of pinpoint it. Because until they can recognize, oh, this is the one or two that I'm having the biggest problem with they tend to kind of look at the big picture and think, Oh, I just need to take a vacation. <laughs> and as we know, vacations usually are not restful.
0: <laughs> yeah. They have a couple of movies about that. Now let's clarify <laughs> this for the uh, listeners because you said it, but I want to make sure everybody hears it. It's HTTP colon forward slash forward slash rest quiz. dot com. That's correct. And that's where a person can get that breakdown. You know, I, need to run over and do that right away. Not that I ever have this problem, of course. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) So then let's just break it down a little bit and give a couple of examples that are some of the most commonplace examples where you see people coming to you confused, not really clear on what they need to do. It's like, oh my gosh, here it is again. I see this all the time.
1: Well, I have a lot of um, patients who are very high achievers. They... very high-pressure jobs and lives, and so they automatically think it's just the stress of their job that's causing them to feel tired all the time, and when we kind of get more into the specifics of it, what we find is that they really have more of what we call an emotional rest deficit. In other words, their careers, let's say if they're, I'll just use myself as an example, as a physician, when I, you know, I show up at the ICU, there's a certain persona and personality and behavior that is expected of me, so you're on performance, whether you think about it or not, yep. because it's expected. And so there's pressure that goes with that. And it's no different from, I had a homeschooling mom when I was discussing this at a, a facility who said, well, don't leave us out. There's pressures between homeschooling moms and soccer moms to act and look and be a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it's global. We all mm-hmm. have these kind of people-pleasing behaviors that we have when we try to show up the way people, we think people want to see us. And there's an emotional pressure that goes with that, a performance pressure. And what happens is when your job is built around that, a lot of us leave those situations and take that same behavior home with us. So we carry on the same persona in the times when we should be resting. And so it ends up emotionally fatiguing us. And we have to have those times when we are able to let our guard down, to be able to express our feelings and to be kind of authentic and raw with those who we know, understand and get us.
0: Well, you know, that is so true. I mean, just thinking, you know, even when we visit relatives, they can be family members and you think, hey, we're going to go bond on childhood or something like that. But then you have a whole array of expectations and what are we going to do and how do we negotiate what we're going to do and all those things. I mean, the same thing can even happen with in very familiar territory, I would think.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing. When we're constantly under that type of emotional pressure, it's draining on us. And that's when we started having people who look like they have the perfect life, but they say, I I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel understood. I don't feel like I'm able to just be myself. There has to be people in our lives and we have to prioritize those people where we feel comfortable just really being who we are without the pretense and without all the extra baggage.
0: Well, now, are there specific treatment modalities for each one of these types of experiences requiring rest. I mean, is there, like for example, you were talking right now about emotional challenges and then I heard you run by cognitive. I thought that was very interesting. And you also talked about creative. Yeah. So those seem to be a little more nuanced than emotional, which is a a site that perception that so many of us could easily identify with, but creativity rest and then what one does about it. So let's start with the emotional What's the prescription? How, can you tell us a little bit about what, what you would recommend for emotional rest, for example?
1: Well, for someone who's struggling with emotional rest, what I have them first do is identify those people who drain them and those people who are life-giving to them. So uh-huh. a lot of times we don't segment people like that, but we know that when we leave the, some people's presence, they have a negative effect on us. And so you have to be able to recognize when that's happening so that when you feel that, you don't take that feeling from having that negative experience into those life-giving relationships and bring them down. We see it a lot of times when people leave very stressful jobs and they go home and they're, you know, lashing out at their spouse and their kids because they have not dealt with that, that issue in the moment of that negative energy going on with that person who ticked them off in the first place, <laughs> so it ends up coming into their personal lives, but it's acknowledging that we have to be able to recognize when someone's having a toxic effect on us so that we can then purposely replete whatever that person took from us. If they made us feel shame, insignificant, inferior, whatever it was that brought you down, acknowledge that, get past it so that you don't take that baggage into your next moments with your, the people you love.
0: That is so interesting. Now, now a quick leap into the nuance. What about the creative exhaustion? Now, I would think, I'm just talking off the top of my head because I really don't know where you're going to go with this. We haven't talked about it. But one would think that the creative exhaustion experience would be more often than not a relationship with oneself because so often if a person being creative, writing a book, putting a paper down, doing a PowerPoint presentation. That it's really their relationship with themselves. I'm, I'm guessing now. Then, if that, first of all, is that true, and then secondly, if it isn't true or it is true, what does one do about it?
1: Well, I think that's an awesome way to think about it. Uh, the creative rest is the experience of allowing beauty to bring inspire us and to liberate wonder. So there, does, you do have to have a bit of understanding about what does that for you, what liberates wonder and awe inside of you, and that's different for each one of us there's some studies that are out that I discussed in Sacred Rest, where they mentioned how some people when they're around water or mountains or the beach in these different places, how when they took MRI images, that there was actually changes that they saw, that these beautiful center scenes and natural scenes actually had a tangible effect on how they felt on the chemicals in their body. And so for most of us, when we think about what we feel when we get around beauty we don't allow it to do something inside of us and that's the rest part of it now a lot of us may have had experiences where we went to like an art museum or a symphony or some beautiful music was playing and you felt great the music actually did something you could tell there was something that was happening just in admiring that beauty that's what we have to start recognizing that that is not just an extra thing we do on the side Beauty and experiencing beauty and allow beauty to awaken something inside of us should be a daily experience because that's what makes life great. That's what makes it fun and worth living.
0: That is so interesting because then what happens is you're actually delineating for yourself what a goal is in regards to that reality in your life. You know How you can actually use it effectively to grow as opposed to being stuck, overwhelmed, or confused.
1: Absolutely. It's a healing that comes naturally just by going deeper into who you are, what you want, what you love.
0: That is so interesting. So then when you break down through the quiz what a person's uh, rest arrests are, (laughs) where they're arrested in their rest, then you have a prescription really for each one of them in your book.
1: There are. I give examples because really it's individualized. What works for one person may not work for someone else. So for each type of rest, I try to give two or at least three different examples of things they can do. Most of the time what I find is because our personalities and our backgrounds and our lifestyles are all so different, it's not kind of a one size fit all. Rest is very individualized. For instance, for me, part of my emotional rest is in my writing. But for someone who doesn't like writing, that's a chore. (laughs) They could be exhausted trying to write, you know, 50,000 words. But for me, that's restful over the process. Obviously, I don't do it all at one time. But over the process, there's a lot of healing and processing that happens in that. And so that actually restores me. And I think that's probably one of the key things that I try to teach my patients is that anything that you call rest should end in some type of restoration in your life. If whatever you're calling rest doesn't revive, restore, or replete something in you, then it's just work camouflaged in a different way.
0: Sandra, that's so true. And on a personal note, that's exactly what happens to me. First of all, interviewing folks like you is, is a lot of fun. I, I grow from every experience, but where I really have the fun is getting the show notes together on Core Brain Journal because I really chase down some kind of a picture, photograph, JPEG, mm-hmm. that's going to embrace the message. And that very frequently is some kind of a natural has something to do with the humanity of the conversation, are the transcendent measure of the of the conversation, and it is very gratifying. I mean, I get you know, I tell my wife I'm just love doing this because it's so much fun getting it together, and when I hit that publish button, and it goes out there, it's just very gratifying because like I feel like I've done something, and it's only me really messing around with my computer getting it out to the folks that uh, that are listeners. It's, it's pretty interesting.
1: And that's the thing. I think oftentimes we try to make rest fit into kind of this idealistic bubble of what rest, what we think rest looks like. For some people, when I say rest, they start getting these images of laying out on a blanket, staring at a piece of grass or something. That's not restful for me. That would stress me out. Each one of us has our own idea, but if it's restoring something in us, because if it's restoring something in us, then we leave those moments better than how we entered in. And that's really what rest is supposed to do.
0: I like that restorative idea. It's a terrific idea. Now, what we're going to do is take a break here, and I'm going to ask you this penetrating question because I want to tap your medical brain a okay. little bit on this whole thing, and I'm, I'm open to any feedback that you have about it because, and I know our listeners are, because if you're talking about rest, exhaustion, tiredness, so one of the things that comes up for so many in functional medicine is this whole thing of adrenal fatigue and mm-hmm. what it means. So what I'm going to ask you when we get back, is your opinion about the whole concept of adrenal fatigue and how does it fit in with the concept of what you're talking about, sacred rest, and where we can go with that. So folks, we'll be back in just a moment. Today, the world of mind science, psychiatry, and mental health is rapidly changing with innovative, comprehensive testing that takes both patients and practitioners into a new world of measured details with useful, understandable, and remarkably actionable plans. The key phrase here is cost-effective. Testing also introduces a key parallel word, predictability. Psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medications and our brief hospitalizations, arises directly from the complexity of measurable brain-body imbalances and impediments that explicitly interfere with medical outcomes and create costly difficulties with inadequately informed supplement and medication trials over time. Big Plains provides a leadership team of biomedical experts with advanced laboratory insights, approved nationally both by the FDA and clear laboratory certifications, and is available internationally for both public and medical professionals. Great Plains Laboratory is the primary laboratory we've used at CoreSight for years with excellent customer service for both patients and medical colleagues. They are on the spot. They get it every time. In addition, they provide exemplary training modules, which are webinars and conferences, in an effort to broaden practice perspectives wherever you live. Do follow up on one of these complimentary test offers today, at http greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash cbj. Yeah, that's core brain journal cbj. Well, welcome back, folks. Here we are again, and we have Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith, and she's really entertaining us in a way and also edifying us at the same time with a completely transformational conversation that has to do with ways that we can grow ourselves individually in our own life experience. By really understanding what the heck it is that's going on with us in the first place, instead of dreaming around and looking at some of these concepts globally, we can get more precise about what we're doing with ourselves in terms of our own rehab, in terms of how we can reconstruct our lives in some effective way. So, Sandra, the question I've been busting to ask you a little bit is this whole thing of adrenal fatigue now, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm sure that you have some awareness of it because you're a medical A practitioner and you're talking about rest Mm -hmm. and I'd like to just hear any of your feedback on that either first of all your feedback on a global way about adrenal fatigue and then uh, referential to your book if if there's some connection
1: well definitely there is I I agree with you you really can't talk about fatigue in general and how people feel chronically tired without addressing the issue of adrenal fatigue to some degree I think the problem is uh, the reason I think so many doctors kind of bulk at the whole adrenal fatigue uh, mindset is because really the treatment for it doesn't come in a pill. The treatment for um, what we describe as adrenal fatigue comes in behavioral training, and that really is what Sacred Rest is talking about. It's a mindset change, a behavioral or cultural type change in how we use our bodies both for work and for rest. And that ratio that, that is required for optimal performance and, and benefit. You know, with adrenal fatigue, really it's, it's a mindset that the body is constantly releasing excessive cortisol, but why would it do that? You know, we do that in times of stress. That is our stress hormone. So if our lives are chronically in a stress state, then we're going to be releasing more. But why is it in a stress state? Because it's not getting replenished. So it's, you're kind of grinding it out. You're pushing our bodies beyond what they're supposed to be doing. My cell phone has a maximum battery life. When it gets down to 20%, there's this red thing that pops up and says, warning, you know, low battery, charge me back up. Unfortunately, our bodies don't do that. Mm -hmm. It'll keep pushing and grinding and cranking it out. And it'll just input the extra stress hormones to kind of keep it going. And what we do with um, rest is we start allowing ourselves natural ways to decrease those stress hormones, natural ways to get them back down to healthy levels so we're not having the side effects from them.
0: So good. Now, let me ask you this as a medical practitioner, because what's your opinion about using adrenal testing? I've had some mileage with this because a person will say, well, first of all, I I haven't not come anywhere near your knowledge on it. So I'm, you're edifying me in different ways that I can deal with it. But coming at it, uh, this question from the perspective of, of an innocence compared to where you are, I've used adrenal testing to say here in graphic terms is what your adrenal gland is doing morning, noon, afternoon, and night. You can actually see what's going on. What's your thought about that in terms of what you're talking about? Do you routinely test or you feel like, hey I don't do it unless there's really a medical consternation going on.
1: Well, the the thing is for me, I'm still working what I call a traditional medical practice. So for the most part, if the insurance is not going to cover it, it's going to be an issue because patients yep. don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Whereas in kind of more of a concierge type situation, if I'm able to get my patients to understand that there are tests that I think are beneficial, but I honestly can't get your insurance to actually cover them and have them be willing to in an ideal situation for me, I would love to do the testing because I think some, it's helpful to see some solid data. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us, we really, uh, you know, it's no different than when I have someone with elevated blood pressure, I can look at them and tell them your cholesterol or blood pressure is probably high because your body mass index is pretty up there. But you know, when I get the hard data in front of them, then there's nothing they can't turn away from it. They have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of us who, have very high-pressure jobs or we live very stressed lives, then having that testing to be able to see that, yes, this is an issue. You are maxing out your adrenal glands. You are living a very high-stress life, and your body is reflecting that. It's responding to that high level of stress would help them to make these changes because people who are overachievers and the ones who tend to be very high-stressed or very anxious-type personalities, they're not ones to easily let go of their time to allow themselves the rest they need.
0: That is so true. Excited. So, so true. <laughs> Never <laughs> happened to me, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the more controlling or fearful we are or driven we are, all of those qualities, I mean, none of them are bad. I mean, all of them are have their place. But when they kind of take precedence in our lives and they become the forefront of our thought processes, it really can put you on a kind of a roller coaster ride with your adrenal glands. <laughs> because you end up straining them beyond their capacity.
0: You know, it's funny to me because I've done presentations on this before And as an innocent. I mean, I know a little bit about it. I've done testing for adrenal, but it, in my attempts to edify my medical colleagues, exactly what you said is true. They're like, hey, it's snake oil. This is ridiculous. It doesn't matter. It's like, and it's amazing. Even if you have good laboratory data that shows a uh, malfunctioning adrenal or, or a compromised adrenal. It doesn't have to be malfunctioning. The quick thing is, do we need to give them cortisol or not? And then there are so many other things that can be done short of cortisol. This is what you're saying, short of a hardcore medical intervention that could be helpful and, and actually restore that adrenal function.
1: Yes, that's always my thought process. When I went into medicine as a physician, my initial goal was never to be... People's pill pusher. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not what I went into it for. I really wanted to be more in the preventative teaching, kind of showing you how to use the body God gave you to the best of its ability so that it can do what it's designed to do. And, you know, unfortunately, medicine is not necessarily set up like that. You know, 15 minute appointments don't lend themselves to teaching. It lends themselves to get in, get out. So it, it is a mindset change for physicians and i agree with you a lot of doctors do kind of take a bit of the easy road because it's much easier to write a pill i can you know i can hit print on that electronic prescriber and pop a pill in someone within seconds whereas trying to explain this and have them go through the the quiz and all of that that takes time
0: well and you having this available is so constructive because then a person could just say go look at this take a look at this material you don't have to and it's so Self sufficient. I mean, a person can come in and say, Well, let me identify what my problem is and let me go do something about it in addition to whatever I'm doing medically and how I can get myself back together. Now, let me ask you another question. Where are you now? First of all, I have to tell you quite honestly, I'm very sensitive about the word holistic. I I always like Dr. Mark Hyman, who's the uh, chairman of the Institute of uh, Functional Medicine. And uh, he says, Yeah, well, you could say that uh, I'm holistic because Everybody that comes to me does come with a whole list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I like that
0: one, and and that's so true for me, and I'm sure it is for you because of what your practice is. But I don't like the word holistic because it puts you in a camp that is only one way of looking at it. Just as traditional medicine is only one way of looking at the solution. You know, my Mm -hmm. feeling is where we need to go as medical practitioners, and where the public needs to go is comprehensive medicine, which is what you're talking about.
1: Absolutely, that is so true. And if you're gonna
0: think comprehensively, then there are an array of things, but all of us like to think reductionistically in a kind of reptilian way, you know, do or die. It's because we're evolving, really, our whole medical practice is evolving from an acute practice scenario, live or die, and we're so much more aware, as you are very well aware, Dr. Dalton Smith, about chronic illness. And chronic illness is not a do or die. There's no acuity to it. The issue is you have to look at the nuances and think comprehensively if you're going to do anything because it's nuance related. It's not in your face. So you have to chase it down a little bit. So anyway, let me ask you the question. The issue is what do you think about some of the other things that happen? And do you routinely prescribe other things like for example, I can imagine that exercise could go both ways for a person who is having a problem with not resting, going out and just running themselves into the ground. And then meditation. I'd be interested in your thoughts about exercise and meditation, if you would, please.
1: Yes, you, you mentioned about comprehensive health, and I, I think that's so important um, with chronic disease, as you mentioned, because you know so many of the chronic diseases that we see – um, more, as more and more studies are coming out, it's talking about the inflammatory response and the inflammatory response process and everything from strokes to dementia to heart disease and you name it, everything now seems to have an inflammatory connection with it. And part of the things that you are mentioning, like the physical rest activities or mental rest activities, that's the whole issue, uh, the whole benefit of them is that as we kind of de- de-stress our bodies we do decrease that inflammation process. And then obviously there's dietary changes that need to go into place with that too, with watching our carbohydrates and those kind of things that kind of feed the process. But I think one thing that I I highly recommend with physical rest, because so many of the people who come into my practice, they complain of back pain, neck pain, headache, everything aches kind of syndrome to start doing those physical, those passive, I should say, and active physical rest activities that improve their body tone. Say, for instance, with active physical rest, we're talking about things like yoga or stretching or gentle walking, not necessarily running a marathon, but doing things where you're increasing your circulation in a non-stressful way. Your breathing is even, you're not panting, but you're allowing your blood to increase, you're allowing your oxygen level to increase, so you're having restoration happen inside of your body just by the mechanism of of getting better blood flow and better oxygenation, and then with with meditation, um, mental rest is uh, where I put meditation into play at because it's really trying to make sure that we don't allow negative thoughts to predominate our mental space, and that we're uh, when there are things that we are are holding on to that we need to release, that we do the things necessary to do that, whether that's journaling or. we call brain dumping, you know, kind of writing it out on a piece of paper before you go to bed. But you're actively participating in those things. And we're addressing those thoughts that hit us before we try to get in bed to go to sleep. Because that's why so often when people lay down, they say, oh, I I can't go to sleep because my mind's racing. Well, it's racing because you never gave it an opportunity any other time during the day to process.
0: So true. And you really were brushing up against one point there. And you started to talk about the negatives and then the issue is what do you do with the negatives and there are different things that one can do with the negatives we've had a person quite recently before this episode talk about the course in miracles and a kind of spiritual transformational process where mm-hmm. an individual then develops an affirmative view of their connections their life and where they are as opposed to a negative logical view more of a an affirmative more comprehensive view. I mean, hate to use the word again. I'm using, now it's going to become a cliche, but the bottom line is thinking about things more completely as Mm -hmm. opposed to thinking about it. Okay, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. And really looking at an internal affirmation that can occur to help with the negative. So you you would be interested in that one as well. She's a very interesting person.
1: I do agree. That's actually one of the tips that I put in the book was about positive affirmations because with the mental part when if there's something that you're continually telling yourself about yourself, that is not fact, but it's just a label that you've allowed to attach to you, then you can unattach it and put a new mindset around it. And by thinking of what is the, the hope filled version of this is how I put it So to come up with a hope filled version of it and allow that to be where your mind goes to rather than the negative.
0: So let's talk more about your practice. What could one do if they wanted to consult with you? Can, do you consult with people virtually, long distance? Do, you, do they have to come to Alabama? How how does all that work?
1: It depends on if it's an individual or a corporation. I do have a lot of corporate wellness training um, within facilities to help kind of help them get their employees at a place of better health so that they can be more productive and happier in their careers. And then for those who are looking for more kind of a, One on one approach. I have some classes that I do that have a very in depth kind of process of taking them through this rest journey to help Mm -hmm. them be able to see how they can get more rest in their life. And that's all on my website at IChooseMyBestLife.com.
0: Okay, so it sounds great. So they now let's, I'm going to say it one more time IChooseMyBestLife.com. And that's going to be easy. So there's RestQuiz.com. And I choose my best life.com. What's really cool about Dr. Dalton Smith is she's really putting out there for you folks some hard tools, some things you can look at that will change your view of really stress is a completely ubiquitous term that has so many broad applications. but She's really breaking it down so you know what the stress is, what your actual problem is and what you can do more constructively about it. So I thank you very much, Sandra, for coming on board and sharing all this great information. Uh, any, anything else as we close, you think, hey, Parker, I just want to mention this one other thing. Anything else that you think is, is uh, something we should have talked about?
1: My closing statement would probably just be this, to just stop looking at rest as kind of that book on the bookshelf you'll get at when you have time. You know, a lot of times we'll say, well, we'll rest when we have time. You have to make time for rest. It has to become a priority if you really want to live your best life.
0: I like that. It's great. It's like build it into your system. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've got work, you've got family, you've got visits, you've got build rest into your system. I have to tell you, my son and his wife and family are much better about that than I am, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's, he's, I see what's going on with my dad. I can't do this to myself. You know, It's wild. So thank you so much, Sandra, for coming on board. really appreciate it. If you have something else that you think down the road that you would like to share with our audience we'd be more than happy to have you come back. This is very edifying, very useful. And I love the word utilitarian. This is a utilitarian interview with a lot of practical applications. So thank you very much for coming on board.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to CoreBrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. how to start adhd medications they're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start thanks for listening do connect and stay tuned together we can make a difference